Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you. My name is TJ Way. My pronouns are Z and Zer. I am a money habits coach for small business owners who want to escape the hustle culture and toxic expectations and build the financial foundations to their abundant life. Ooh, fancy. That sounds very, very fun. Um, What is it that made you kind of go into this line of work and start doing this, this money coaching that you do? So I have to take it back to my family being immigrants. My parents came over from Taiwan when they were um, in there. They took their, they got their master's degrees in America and they very much had that immigrant mindset where you hustle your way through to achieve the American dream. You save all of the resources you can. And since you probably don't have like the network and the connections that a lot of uh, more established families might have. Typically, your focus is on accumulating money. And my mother was a genius at saving money. She'd clip the coupons. She knew how to buy on sales. She knew how to resell things. And she's a great stock investor. So I had a great role model for the woman in the family being good with finances. And as the internet became a thing and growing up with access to all of this financial independence, retire early stuff, I just soaked up all of that information because the reality was that I followed the version of a a Chinese immigrant's American dream as go get a STEM job in a corporate career. And it was not for me, but it was the safe path. It was the path that's Asian parent approved. So I needed a way to get out that was also Asian parent approved. And that generally means proving that you have the money to walk away. Mm. Okay. Asian parent approved, APA. Um, you know, I, I, I'm an immigrant I'm from Uganda, right? And so I think that a lot of first gen, maybe, you know, even anyone who just has an immigrant family or that experience, there are some things that are some common denominators as far as like, you know, your family really wanting to make sure that you have stability and security, which is oftentimes one of the main reasons why they immigrated in the first place. So they're like, we didn't immigrate for you to live this risky ass life, right? Like, um, (laughs) but I love how you, you know, were able to kind of take the lessons that you could from your household and from your mom and then also be able to still branch off into um, doing what really felt like it was more in alignment for you. So what would you say, um, because you mentioned something that I think is so, so key and such a common thread in a lot of what I hear, which is like taking the safe route or, or kind of, you know, doing what um, seems like it's right or what makes the most sense or whatever the case may be. How was it that you were able to identify that it wasn't for you and to have the courage to try something else? Well, to be quite honest, it took a decade, right? I was in um, Fortune 200 companies for over a decade as an IT project manager, and I was great at what I did. It was my zone of excellence. I got paid well for it, and I got praise and all of that stuff, but I definitely burned out several times um, for various different reasons, either culturally or because of the work itself, but something just wasn't aligned. And if I can be brutally honest, in 2019, I almost killed myself. 
And when I got out of the facility they put me in, we went to watch uh, Frozen 2 and the song where um, Elsa is singing about finding herself or listening to her own voice. Mm. I broke down crying. And after that movie, I told my roommate, I have to quit my job. Hmm. I didn't know what that meant. All I knew was that something was so wrong that I had to leave. You know, thank you for one, for sharing and being so vulnerable because I'm not sure many people realize how detrimental the lifestyle that they're living or the the essential like ignoring of themselves, right? Like trying to force themselves to live this life that they think they're supposed to is to their health and wellness, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and otherwise. And so for you to have gotten to that place um, and to have survived and come out the other side to be honest with yourself, to take a chance on what it would look like to show up for yourself and like live more authentically is, is huge, you know? Um, and I think there are so many people who are walking around um, in a living death, if that makes sense, right? Like going to work every Monday, stressed out, overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, waiting and counting down until Friday just so that they can spend the time on the couch or, you know, vegging out or drinking or, you know, essentially self-medicating and stressed the whole weekend too, because they know it's going to end, right? Yep. For the whole cycle to begin again. And and I think that's such a huge, man, that in and of itself is like an epidemic. You know what I mean? Like people living a lie, essentially. Obviously, I'm sure it wasn't easy to transition. You know what I mean? Um, You said it took a decade. I think sometimes people are just waiting for things to just click and be perfect right away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes you do have to create an exit plan. I don't think it's necessarily wise for every person to just jump and quit their job the next day. You know, you may want to take your time and, and create a roadmap for your exit so that you can do it and then that won't stress you out. You know what I mean? Because yes, you yes. could just up and leave and then that could be a problem of its own. But um, for you, I know that we're going to kind of dive into cash flow management and, you know, business banking. And a lot of the listeners are either small business owners or interested in the idea of creating an additional income stream. Obviously, I'm sure that's how or what helped you to be able to transition. Um, What does that look like? I guess maybe what do those mean first? Because maybe somebody's listening and they're like, cash flow management, what Um, the heck? I like the way it sounds, but what is it? (laughs) Yes, yes. So the thing I love about talking about business finances is there's actually a lot you can translate over from personal finances. So cash flow management is basically the same concept of if you are operating check to check from your day job, your paycheck comes in every two weeks or every week or twice a month, whatever the schedule is. You know how much month is left in your paycheck when you get that money and you go, okay, what can I afford? I know this, this, and this is due on the 15th. And you know that you're going to have to make some decisions. And that's exactly the same for a business. You get paid 
not necessarily right when you make the sale, but you do eventually get paid. And there's some mindset stuff there to make sure you follow up on those sales and <laughs> put in the cash. But once the cash shows up in your bank account, you have to decide what to do with it. And if you don't make a plan for it, then you will apply the same concepts you used with your personal finances to your business. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> if you do not make a plan for how to handle your cash, you will apply the same strategies or lack thereof from your personal money to your business money. I didn't give her a script, y'all. And anyone who's ever like heard me talk about business has said how closely linked the way that you manage your personal finances will transfer over into your business. So if you are out of control, reckless, um, you know, not on like unintentional with your personal finances, people are usually their first bookkeeper in their small business. Yeah. So if you're not doing the bookkeeping in your own personal life, what's going to make you think that you're going to now take on a job being the bookkeeper in your business? And all of a sudden, like you're just going to be like the best bookkeeper ever. And so I always say, you know, how you're handling your personal finances is a great way to hone your skills so that you manage your money appropriately in your business to run it profitably and make it sustainable because most businesses fail within the first few years and we don't want that for you. <laughs> um, and so for, for you, TJ, what are some really important things? If there's like the top three things someone needs to know when it comes to, you know, business banking and making sure that they're managing their cash flow in their business wisely, what would you say? So the number one thing is do not mix your personal funds with your business funds. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> do not mix your personal funds with your business funds. And actually, I have to say my honors thesis coming out of college was with a business that did this and they had been running their business for, I think it was four years at the time I met them. And they were terrified because they had no idea hmm. if the money in their one checking account for both their business and their personal was entirely funded from the husband's job and the business was not profitable. They had no clue because it was all one account. Wow. I mean, I'm going to be transparent. And I, at some point in my life, had commingled my funds. It's called commingling, okay? The fact we that there's a phrase for it means that there's a problem. <laughs> we do not want to commingle our funds. And there are plenty of reasons why, but you just definitely want to make sure that you're able to track exactly what's going on in both places. You want to track what's going on in your personal finances on its own, and you want to track what's going on in your business on its own for the key reason that she said is you want to know if your business is profitable or not. You want to know where you stand with your business. You want to understand what it costs to operate and run your business, just like you want to understand what it costs to operate your life in your personal finances. Um, and I cannot stress how important that is in and of itself. Um, so, you know, that means you would have to open up a separate bank account, people. <laughs> that means you're going to have to make sure that the flows, like the income is all going to one place because you don't want the headache of trying to keep up with these multiple different um, outlets for where you're receiving money. Just, you just want to avoid the headache. But if you want the headache, live your best life. See what happens. Do you, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> do you, but don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> yep, yep. So what would you say number two is? 
So number two is really having an actual business bank account because this is part of this is not actually the the money aspect yet it's it's the risk of losing your money because it's actually a legal issue if you don't have a bank account under your business's name because if they're under your personal name still somebody can sue your business and your you personally and take all of your personal money even though their intent or their relationship or the reason they're suing you is because of something in the business and completely so defeats the purpose snatch you right the fuss up. So that's what you don't want. Okay. You don't want to create more liabilities. (laughs) You want to minimize liabilities, which means that you would want to establish your business as an entity so that you're able to open a business bank account because they're going to have, they're going to ask you for specific things in order to open the bank account as a business owner. And that will give you, you know, the protection of both your personal side of things and your business side of things. And so, again, these are things that do people do it all the time? Yep. Are they living a real risky life? Yep. <laughs> you know, like, um, does it work for everybody? Nope. You don't want to find out what it looks like, um, you know, when the ish hits the fan. And so these are the best ways to kind of go about starting your business and creating it, your business with a financial structure that is sound. Um, and honestly, it's it's a it turns into a whole different conversation because I think a lot of people are starting businesses not really believing in their business, mm, not really thinking mm. that their business is actually going to do well, yes. not really um, committed to the process of what it looks like to run a business in the long run. So they're like, well, I mean, I probably haven't make that much money. Okay. Whatever. Okay. That's this you. Exactly what I mean in terms of designing your abundant life, right? Of what if you become super popular, you blow up and you make all of these sales, but you don't have the structures in place to support them. And suddenly you what you thought you were going to track maybe like three transactions a month without any kind of bookkeeping or a separate bank account or anything. If you got super popular and you sold 50 that month, what kind of headache is that to then go back and go, <laughs> where did this money come from? Where did I spend it? What did I do with it? <sighs> Stressful. We don't want that. You're not, you know, typically creating a business because you want more stress. I don't think that that's the intention. No, no. <laughs> I, don't think I think that's, that's also the fear, right? Because the sale is also potentially coming with more stress mm-hmm. if you don't put in these foundations now. Wow. Okay. So then, you know, we've got two down. What would you say is the third thing that, you know, someone setting up their business or wanting to make sure they're running their business appropriately in, a, in their financial structure would be the, the third tip? So my third tip is going to require some introspection for people. They're going to have to look in on themselves and meet themselves where they are because you have to confront whether or not you're going to be the type of person that makes decisions from your bank balance. And Mm. if that's the case, I highly suggest creating at least one other business bank account where you squirrel away the taxes that are due for the income that you have coming in the door. And if you have other things you want to save for, like a retirement fund when you are full-time in your business, you want to make sure that you can pay yourself or a virtual assistant, and you want to make sure that you can pay for all of these fancy new tools that you're using to market your business, then I would also suggest separate accounts for those. So you want to plan ahead, essentially, right? You want to be thinking about 
how you're going to pay your taxes because you don't want these problems with the IRS. That's that's one thing. They're not here to play with you. (laughs) And you also want to be able to plan for, you know, future expenses such as yourself as as a business owner, um, whether that is, you know, your income as the business owner, whether that is your um, retirement funding, a virtual assistant, right, that can help you to continue to grow your business or whatever. It might be equipment, depending on what type of industry that you're in. And so it really forces you to slow down, which a lot of people are not doing, to think a little bit further out, three to six months from now, a year from now, or whatever the case may be, maybe a couple years till you're able to, you know, do some of these things, depending on how things are going. But having that level of intentionality and strategic planning is going to save you the headache later down the line by having the headache now. Is it going to take you time to figure out now? Yeah. Is it going to take you, you know, effort to to set it up up front? Yeah. But if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. If you do what's easy, your life will be hard. And that's what, you know, Les Brown said, I ain't say it, so it didn't come from me. I'm just sharing the information, okay? So, you know, I think those top three tips are super helpful. Um, I assume that those are maybe some of the biggest like issues that you see, but if anything, like that we haven't mentioned, what are some of the biggest like red flags or challenges or roadblock, a roadblock, sorry, that you see get in people's way in, in this realm? So I think we really touched on it in terms of the concept of like, oh, you're not going to get that big. So you're going to pretend that it's somehow going to hurt less when you do fail if you don't have like the structures in place. Like as if these bank accounts are going to judge you, okay? It doesn't hurt any less to not be making the sale just because you don't have enough bank accounts to build the money habits that you're going to need when you are super successful. And I've definitely, actually a lot of my customers come from that stage where they became super successful first and then realized they didn't have a process in place to handle how they allocate their cash flow They didn't have a process for, okay, now I'm at a place where I could actually hand off the management of my bank accounts to my virtual assistant, except I don't have a way to explain to them what they're supposed to do with it. It's either all in my head or I've been just making things Mm. up as I go. I love it. So from what you just mentioned, I think another thing for people to note and to implement is documentation. Yes. Um. Uh, essentially creating your own like SOPs for how you are handling, you know, money in your business. Um, Because yes, you could hire a bookkeeper or whatever the case may be. But if you don't know, like your bookkeeper is going to have a whole bunch of questions for you and you have to be able to answer those questions for them. So, you know, they'll stress you out if you're in the middle of running your business. (laughs) Right. You know, so being able to document what things look like in your business as you're building it again, is hard work up front, but is going to save you time, energy, effort, and money later down the line. So that means, are you sitting down once a week on, you know, Mondays or Fridays to do your bookkeeping, even if it's only one transaction, even if you had no sales this week, you still are looking at your, your accounts and kind of, you know, being able to um, see what your numbers say and help you get clarity on what your goals are on the next week or whatever the case may be. And you create an SOP for that, right? You're creating a handbook for that position in your business. Um, and, and blocking that time aside, because I think it's also, um, 
a tendency for a lot of business owners to get so carried away that there's no structure to how they're doing things and they're just doing things willy-nilly. And one of the things that I um, I was a guest on a podcast and he said is like, you want to close your books every month as a business owner. Now, people may not know what that means. <laughs> we might have you explain that real quick um, as far as like, what does it look like to close your books every month? But you want to close your books every month, no matter whether you had zero sales or whether you had millions of sales so that you know where you stand and you have the clarity of, of creating a strategy moving forward. But real quick, could you share like what that means to close your books and why sure. it's important? So for um, depending on how you run your business, closing your books is the act of like looking at what sales you made, how whether or not you actually got paid for those sales, what expenses you incurred, and whether or not you paid those invoices, and just basically going through your business bank account line by line and making sure you understood what each transaction was for, why it happened that way, if you liked it that way, and documenting it, first of all, so that your bookkeeper and your tax accountant will have the information they need to do your taxes later. And if you do it on a monthly basis, it's a lot less overwhelming than when you wait until April 14th to hand a bunch of junk over to your tax accountant. And it will, I guarantee you save a lot of headache. But not only that, this is your opportunity to slow down and recognize when you do have wins in your business. A lot of people actually hit 10K months without realizing that that's how much money came in the door because they don't look at their books on a regular basis. Wow. Yeah, that's significant. I love that you mentioned it. It's not just about, you know, um, one side, there's two sides of the coin, right? And so you want to celebrate your wins and be able to analyze the data. What was going on this month that I had a surge in sales? Is it because it was a holiday? Is it because I, you know, had gone live? Is it because like that's going to help you to replicate what's working. And it's also going to help you stop doing what's not working, as well as be able to offload things that maybe aren't as necessary in your business as they used to be. Because you also want to be reevaluating, like maybe you've been paying, I used to be a therapist and you know I paid for uh, marketing subscriptions. There are marketing subscriptions that were bringing me no ROI. So if I never looked at like, my statements and what was coming out and what I was paying. And if there was an ROI on it, then I would just keep paying the subscription for month after month after month, getting no return on that investment and not know that I could use that to go to another traffic source or another marketing outlet or to an employee or whatever to reallocate those funds. So there's just a lot of different reasons why you'd want to do that. Um, and and all of these things, again, you may not have gone into your business to become a bookkeeper. <laughs> like you, you weren't like, I'm starting a business and I can't wait to manage my finances. Like I'm super excited to do this cash flow management. Um, but it should be exciting because it's your business and you're growing it. And it's helping you to kind of create a roadmap for continued success moving forward. And the numbers will give you so much peace of mind, even if you're not where you want to be because it will give you the clarity that I need to make 25 sales this yes. week if I want to hit my goal. And then it's going to, then you can reverse engineer and say, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to make that happen? So I think that there's a lot of peace of mind that comes with metrics and measuring and knowing where you stand um, that a lot of small business owners don't realize because they're not doing this. So I want to emphasize that because even though I'm usually on top of my money, when I find that I'm getting anxious about whether or not I can afford something and I feel that sense of scarcity coming in, 
It is most often because I have not been looking at my numbers because I didn't run the math. I didn't do the metrics. I didn't decide how much it was going to take to get me where I wanted to be. And that's where that overwhelm comes in. Not from when I look at it, but from when I'm ignoring it. Oh, such a gem, such a gem. So where is it that people can, you know, stay in contact with you, learn more about what you do and be able to work with you? So you can follow me on Instagram at tj.wey, that's TJ Way. And I'm also on Facebook as just TJ Way. And some people like LinkedIn and they found me there too. So that is all an option, just my name. And on Instagram, it's got a period in between. All righty. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. We may have to have you come back and dive into some of this a little bit deeper because I think it's such a necessary topic. Um, But we really appreciate you and we'll make sure to use the links in the show notes to go and follow and ask questions. I'm opening up her, her, I'm opening up her email to you, okay? Um, To be able to reach out and make contact um, just so that you're able to tap in with whatever resources that she might be able to provide. Um, But just, you know, again, we appreciate you for sharing the information. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing and for having been so vulnerable. So many people I think are going to be touched and, and, um, resonate with what you mentioned. So got to always make sure to, you know, give you gratitude and your flowers while we've got you here, but we truly appreciate you. And for you gems, we will talk to you next time. Well, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.